0: Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. Officially the... Ha- well, okay. I guess that's not officially the halfway point, but pretty much. You know, like Boxing Close. Day is about the end of Halfway to
1: Boxing Day.
0: Yeah, but then, well, and it's funny because once you hit Boxing Day, it feels like another month between Christmas and New Year's. That feels like a month on its own in a way with all the plans and all the family stuff. That's a week at best, and you're like so exhausted from just that one week. I remember last year and the year before with COVID and Zoom calls
1: and then actual stuff and working a little bit. And then, yeah, those weird days where everyone you know with a real job is also not working. (laughs) And then you're just, I remember being like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know where I am. I feel weird. It was just this thing of I'm used to not working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. But then you start noticing it when
0: all the kids are out of school and nobody's working and there's tumbleweeds going down the street. (laughs) And you're like, did we all just stop? Yeah, and plus like you get the schedule a couple weeks in advance usually around this time. So yeah. it's like you do need to know what day is what, but at the same time kind of not really in a way because it's not like you're waiting on Lee to send you the thing, you know. Well, I said, yeah, like next week we have the option
1: of doing two podcasts in one day mm-hmm. and there's pros and cons to that where we could get it out of the way. yeah. But then I almost feel like that jinxes
0: us where something really exciting is going to happen. It has. I'm pretty sure every time there's been something, nothing like world altering, but something that we were for sure going to talk about for five to seven minutes. And then we wait another week. It's almost the whole example of... So,
1: yeah, right now, I think Lee has three weeks of scheduling. Wow. Which I'm just... It's a slow burn. I'm catching (laughs) up with this work. I've always got something to do at the moment. So... As we speak, everything's updated on social media and our website, but I'll be able to get a head start and maybe even before Christmas or so have those extra two weeks on there. Hmm. And it's funny because someone just the other day asked me, will you ever go back to the monthly schedule? And I explained why. And he was he was both very interested and was like, oh, thanks for the explanation. Hmm. And I said, monthly schedules are fun and we all... Like those good old days of the Mayfair of having that not monthly schedule. It was like a six-week schedule up on your fridge. But it means you can't hold over Banshees of Inisharan for a second or third week. It means you can't program a tribute screening to somebody... If, say, Angelo Badalamenti dies.
0: For example. For know, example. If he
1: died. <laughs> not to play spoiler, but we might have a tribute screening to him coming up. Yeah, he may have died. Yeah, just yeah, to be clear. <laughs> the Mayfair curse. But you can't do that if you have a six week schedule yeah. because you got to wait. You have to say, okay, we can bring back Banshees then. We could have a tribute screening then. What's really fun about programming weekly is it might be a little bit more last minute hassle every once in a while, but you could really take advantage of holdover weeks encore weeks doing last minute programming getting a last minute offer of some new film if something flops like say west side story we get it way faster and we do well with it because we don't have to worry about filling a multiplex we have one screen so ironically as i say that we now i think have three weeks of programming <laughs> but it's because of the holidays with distributors going on vacation and it's harder to book things so Lee just got it out of the way. So that's why this is
0: a rare time of year where we kind of know what's coming for a few weeks. Yeah, and as predicted, Banshees is now up for the most Golden Globes. So in between the time that we announced and started playing it and now it's, I mean, as we said, the Oscar buzz was already high. So, I mean, this is pretty much a shoe in for a bunch of awards and yeah, had you had a month ahead of time, you get it for a week then it's announced all these awards, and then it's like, well, it's gone. So that's exactly exactly it right there. Just the perfect timing for us. I mean, that generally, it does mean, you know, for the average person, that's how they find out about a lot of these movies. They're like, oh, wow, 13 awards or whatever it's up for, you know, like then that they want to come out and see it in an environment like this, you know. And, and I mean, those schedules were awesome, obviously. But, I mean, I got to think that wasn't cheap for you guys to print them up either. Ain't a lot of work puzzle piecing that much
1: at the same time and making sure it's all right. Mm -hmm. And then also not being able to book in rentals that might be more profitable on certain days or afternoons, that kind of thing, which especially now, the last two weeks, I think we've had eight rentals or so each week. And that ranges from public screenings to the church that comes in here every Sunday to private events, birthday parties, that sort of thing. So it's funny. And the Golden Globes, yeah, Banshees did... The day the announcements came out, did 65 people on a matinee. Wow. And usually our matinees don't do that. And right away, I just am thinking ahead and being like, this is the new Parasite.
0: jeez. <laughs> oh, we're going to have this for 18 weeks. Yeah, we hope that every single time. But, you know, th- this time it might actually be the thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it made me think, didn't we all stop caring about the Golden Globes?
0: Yeah. Didn't we all realize they were a sham and they got in all this trouble? and? Well, and also one of the main guys behind that had... Assaulted Brandon Frazier and that was why he got unofficially blacklisted in Hollywood and didn't work for a long time and now he's up for best actor for the Golden Globe God. and he had already previously said you know someone asked they're just like so uh, you're not gonna go right if you get nominated <laughs> yeah. and he's like yeah no I'm not gonna be going to that so It's interesting because like a lot of people think he's kind of a shoe in to win Best Actor this year, and he may well be. But it's kind of I don't know what they're going to do. The Golden Globes going to deliberately not let him win, knowing he's not going to be there and won't do a speech, and that they kind of look bad, you know. Regardless, or or are they going to let him win to try to be like, hey, hey, that's all under the carpet now. Don't even worry about all that unpleasantness. Well, was it a
1: couple years ago they were dangerously close to just being like, yeah, we're done, because they were just corruption came out and bribery and besides for horrible assault stuff so when this happened what makes me think of it is when the nominations come out i happen to be on twitter which i'm only on for mayfair stuff and so i clicked on the thing just to see the list because they actually had very good little tweets of here's this five nominations Mm, here's this five but of course there's people really upset (laughs) because somebody was snubbed some movie was snubbed every time every year don't you know this happens every year? Why are you so upset? It's just an award. And many, many filmmakers point out that films should not be judged like this. If it is an art form, you don't give it a trophy. You don't give a painting, like, best painting of the year. You just kind of, it's a painting.
0: I, mean, I do. For well, the, you do, The, yeah. the Eric Larson <laughs> Awards. But, I mean, for the average person, no. But but it's funny because the choices they did go with are all good. I didn't see any glaring, what the hell are you doing picking this person type thing and some of them were just the best actors and like there was a few categories that are just so close to call that were really very good and especially for some of the tv stuff as well you know like there's just an amount of people that any of these three of these five if you pick them you know you're not gonna get mad but I think it's kind of known that the Golden Globes are trash, you know, like, and I I think the viewing numbers have been down a lot in the last couple of years too. And I think that was a thing as well. Last year or the year before or whatever like that, they were just saying, yeah, there's the corruption. Yeah, there's all the badness, but also the viewing numbers are in the toilet. And so like, it's not even, nobody's really happy or good, but at the same time, it's like, I think it's just one, it's kind of like the Grammys, you know, where like, we all know they're kind of trash and meaningless, but at the same time, there is that element that comes with it, you know, like that, not on the Oscar level, but to be like, you know, Golden Globe nominee, Golden Globe winner, blah, blah, blah. It is this like second round. There is some prestige to that, you know? And so I don't know if that's ever going to disappear completely, but I do think it's one of those things where you're like... Yeah, we're not putting a lot of stock. You know, it's not. It's never going to overtake the Oscars or be one of those things. But at the same time, for somewhere like a Mayfair, that is kind of an important thing because we will get more people because of a bunch of nominations for a Golden Globe. Even if it's not on the level of the Oscars, that still equals business for us, which is great. Oh, yeah. And I'm hypocritical because it is some people who maybe aren't
1: what you would consider cinema aficionados will just look at that sentence in a newspaper or online and see golden globe winner golden globe nominee and they don't know all the stories of the bad stuff and they just go oh that's a award that i've heard about for decades and we'll come see the movie if you look on the mayfair on a tweet or on our website it'll say this many golden globe nominations and that sort of thing so yeah it's hypocritical of me but at the same time i'm always just like I don't know. Scorsese went for a long time of his career not
0: getting a lot of awards, and it didn't mean he was a lesser filmmaker. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because you got guys like Jim Carrey and Tom Cruise and Adam Sandler who have all won Golden Globes, but who may never win an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, and I know that they're not the only ones, but just the most glaring where you're just sort of, you almost get the feeling like the Oscars think they're too good for them they're kind of like yeah we're not giving adam sandler or we're not giving the guy who talked out of his ass you yeah. know like, golden <laughs> isn't Glo- that a
1: curse too i don't know statistically but isn't much of the time if you win a golden globe for say actor or
0: actress you're not getting it for academy award well i mean it kind of it's hard to say because sometimes i mean at least i remember it used to be the opposite of that where it was kind of like certain guys you know where it's like If you win the Golden Globe, you're kind of a shoe in to win blank. I mean, it wasn't like a steadfast thing, but I I remember for a while there, that was kind of the thing. And then maybe that was just situational, but you know, same with like best picture, you know, a lot of times when something would best picture at Golden Globes, people were sort of like, well, for sure it's getting nominated, but it's now the front runner kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's changed so much since then. And I mean, they always seem to have a wild card nominee that never gets Like, was it? No, maybe it wasn't. Was it Andrew Garfield that was up last year, but not for the Oscar? Or was he up for the Oscar? I like, think so. And wasn't Adam Sandler the same? Adam yeah. Sandler? Yeah, because there was. it seems like every year there's one where people... In general, agree on the nomination and then they win or they don't for Golden Globe, but then they're not even nominated for the Oscar, and there's no real, like, you know, explanation for that. I think
1: Michael Keaton got it for Oh, yeah, Birdman, yeah, and then somebody else got it for the Oscar,
0: yeah. And it's like we said before, there's only so many people that could be nominated in the first place, but as we've also said before, why not have 10 nominees or an extra couple, you know, which makes a little more sense for movies, obviously, than acting? You're not hurting anyone by having extra exposure to your artists or your art, you know? So it's like, uh, you know, why not tweak it? I think golden globes always does that weird thing
1: that I heard they were going to change, but I don't think they did. And I admit, I didn't greatly research who got (laughs) nominated the other day, but they always do the drama Mm -hmm. slash musical comedy. Yeah. And I think that distinction is so strange. Why not just do drama or comedy and have musical fall on either side, because sometimes a musical might be really heavy, like, say, Les Mis. Yeah. And then sometimes it might be a little lighter, like one of the Disney things or Little Shop of Horrors or something. So it's so weird that you could have four traditional comedies and then a Vita in the same category. Because it's musical slash comedy,
0: that's really weird to me. And what's the cutoff for being a musical? Like, do you have to have four songs? You know, that's like, always the weird thing too. Do <laughs> what? Do you what if have two songs, but they're big musical numbers? Could that count?
1: And I would argue, and I don't know where it fell. I don't know what nominations it got, but I would say Guillermo del Toro's *Pinocchio*
0: was a dramatic musical kind of yeah and is that could that be classified as animation if you really wanted to push the boundaries because it's like stop motion right yeah
1: animation counts as cg stop motion hand-drawn
0: anything that's not live action essentially yeah it's weird because there's been a few where i think it was marcel the shell someone was saying was animated and i was like well i would have said no i mean yes the shell obviously is but 90 5% 5% of that movie is live action actors and stuff. Like, so well, I that's the
1: weird distinction too, right? Where, yeah, I agree. Like I loved Marcel, but it was 50-50. Yeah. But then say Avatar 2, which I have not seen, so I cannot judge- but I'm pretty sure is 95% an animated film.
0: Yeah. So shouldn't
1: it be under the animated <laughs> category?
0: But I don't think he would want it to be. That's the other thing. Like, yeah. I don't think Jim Cameron is going to be like, yeah, no, I did not make a, you know, <laughs> animated film. And also like, well, actually, it's funny. Apparently, that is up for Best Picture for drama, I guess, or whatever. At and the Golden Globes. Musical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not even out yet. That's the other kind of funny thing. Like the majority for the actors, for sure. Only The Whale is out. The other four are not even out yet.
1: Yeah, they're not even out, limited release yeah, style.
0: No. And That's some of them, so one funny. of them is February, I think, too. January for sure for one of them. One I think was February. Yes, they've played a couple film festivals, obviously. I don't know. I understand that it's, they're doing this ahead of time. And by the time the Globes actually happen, you know, those movies will, in theory, be out. But it is weird, you know, when you see these lists and you're just like, I literally can't comment because nobody apart from critics has seen any of these.
1: I wonder what the rush is. Why not? have the nominations announced in January Mm -hmm. and the award ceremony in February or March. Yeah. What the rush of like... like
0: April even, like, you know. It's so
1: strange, yeah, because who cares when the award's given out if it's for the calendar year? I always used to think that about magazines back in the day. I remember Entertainment Weekly would have its best of the year issue come out in early December. What if some really great song or movie comes out in the next couple of weeks you haven't reported on it and it's in the calendar year of 1995 or whatever
0: yeah people do that with their top 10 albums or whatever they put them out like yeah first week of december there's still time like i it's mean weird. yeah it's semi unlikely although not with movies that's kind of peak award movie release you know that's kind of december about Christmas tends to be when they put out a couple and and so it's just you're totally right how could you possibly unless you are seeing this stuff ahead of time like most critics are but then at that point you're I don't know the whole thing feels weird it's almost like Ha, ha, I saw this and you didn't you know, like, you know it's not really but yeah some staggering number like
1: 80 percent of nominated films come out in December mm-hmm. they figured out the game where I think once upon a time they would just release a movie but then they went oh wait a minute if we release it in December and send out the screener copies it's fresh in the critics and voters minds yeah And then hopefully we get a bump in box
0: office in the early new year. Yeah, same with re-releases. They did that for Parasite, I think. They put it back out closer to award season to try to get it in people's heads, you know.
1: Well, there was a couple of Oscar-type movies that we were ready to screen before the end of the year. And Lee said they got pulled because they want to put them in the multiplex. Oh, God. And I'm like, that's not going to work. People in the multiplex are busy watching their multiplex movies. That's really annoying. Yeah, so we'll get them, but we'll get it in January or February or whatever.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. By the same token, January, February tends to be the where movies go to die uh, portion. You know, where people, they're like, oh God, this is trash. Not taking myself out of the equation, it tends to be horror movies a (laughs) lot of the time. And they just kind of just dump them. Like January, February is notorious dumping grounds, but it's... A bit ironic because now you're sort of battling with the awards bait stuff as well. Yeah, we have that leftover content. (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's my kind of awards, you know, dumped horror movies. Okay, so let us chat about
1: the movies that we have coming up the week of Friday, December 16th. First off, we are, as we kind of mentioned, holding over the Banshees of Innesharan for a second week. Very popular dark comedy Irish drama that is very likely going to be up for a bunch of Academy Awards very soon whenever that's announced.
0: Yeah, that must be... I guess that's the only other reason that the Golden Globes don't push it up because they have to be before the Oscars or they're literally meaningless at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this one, I mean, it's not going to win nothing, that's for sure. I still don't know. All I know about it is what you said last week, basically. And but... I'm still trying to avoid much. Gwen and
1: I are going to see it on Saturday
0: night. Ooh, and
1: I was going to say not that it's a spoilery kind of movie, but it kind of is because the whole pitch of the movie is two best friends who have been friends for ever all of a sudden break up and one of them doesn't know why. I've heard it's like a very good funny feel bad mystery where it's kind of <laughs> Colin Farrell's the jilted friend and Brendan Gleason is the guy who dumped him. And I think it gets dark somewhere in there. So anyhow, I've been trying to avoid it just because I want to go in and, and have the mystery
0: revealed. Yeah, and then you could stay for uh, cinema Saturday night, which I know you won't, but you could. Pass my bedtime. And you'd have to send Gwen home because you don't know <laughs> if it's going to be some gross trash. Well, there'll playing.
1: be a movie between that too. Oh, true, true. That would be like a
0: triple bill. Yeah, well, so now i got to figure out what's playing at the 9 o'clock slot, which I guess we're about to find out.
1: Yeah, I think... Okay, so the other... We have two Ottawa premieres this week. One is a documentary called Life and Life, which is about a prisoner serving a life sentence who turns around his life Mm. via music and becomes a very good person and helps his fellow inmates and becomes a positive part of his community serving a life sentence in prison. And so I think... Some concert footage is part of this, and talking about forgiveness and redemption. And do you let him out, or do you does he serve his sentence? And I think it's a serious thing. I think it, he's in there for manslaughter or something oh, man. like that, which is not
0: funny. But not funny. I mean, no. Man's laughter is funny, but manslaughter is not funny.
1: No, so it's like an interesting.
0: Tale of Music and Redemption. So it's one of our Ottawa premieres. You should do a double bill with the Eddie Murphy movie life, so it's life, life, and life. Oh yeah. (laughs) Weird. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here first.
1: Then we have a I don't know, I think you would call it a sci-fi or a fantastical film called Next Exit. I heard about this movie from our friends at the horror movie survival guide, and they were interviewing the director. And I told Lee about it, and we got it. So she
0: wrote it too, I think, right?
1: Yeah, it's written and directed by Mally Elfman.
0: Yeah, who you will probably assume is related to Danny Elfman, and she is. And
1: it's, she is. <laughs> so there you and go. And I hate to bring that up because I'm and sure that happens all the time. But we
0: love Danny Elfman, so we I mean, do. we're not bringing it up to be jerks. It's like no. we're just like, oh, that must be a cool, kooky, weird family. I gotta think. Is her mom Bridget Fonda? I. I can't remember if Danny yes. Elfman has been married to Bridget for that long, or if they are second husband and wow. wife. That's a fun bit of trivia. Potential trivia, I should say. Like, yeah. I don't have an answer, and I totally forgot about that. I don't think about Danny Elfman very often, <laughs> but but when I do, let me tell you, I think about him a lot. He's prolific.
1: He, yeah. Yeah, so it looks really interesting, and it's one of those truly only-at-the-Mayfair kind of movies. For sure, And Ra- Raul Coley's in it, who I love. That's really my sticking point of going to see this movie, and something that... <laughs> I think we'll get Gwen to go see this movie. Not that it's a horror film or anything, but she has watched all of his stuff on TV, Okay, all the miniseries, that she would not have normally watched, but... I think she became quite a fan of, and he's so good in all
0: of them. Oh, for sure, he's a very suave, attractive dude, and he has great timing. You know, so he's very easy to like, and and he's also like a cool guy. Like I follow him on Twitter, and he's a no bullshit guy. Like he'll call stuff out, but he's in general just a really laid back, nice guy. You know, and it's it's so it's nice those situations where you're just like, oh yeah, he's not a monster. That's wonderful. So yeah, Mike Flanagan. So
1: for next exit, Mally Elfman. She worked with Mike Flanagan on his early stuff. Oh, cool. And so a few of the, I think, crew and actors
0: from the Mike Flanagan universe show up in this movie. Damn. And she directed that Karen Gillen movie that we had... Yeah, which was really good. It was heavy, but it was really good. Yeah, the party never ends, or the party's just getting started. Or yeah, something to do with something like that. Something you know? like that. You figure it out. You'll go. You go online.
1: I always like getting this kind of movie where it's a small film that a lot of people would never get the chance to see on a big screen. Yeah, for sure. Then we delve into a bunch of classic stuff. As we mentioned, we have a Saturday night cinema coming up.
0: Yeah. Don't know what it's going to be. You could suppose it could be Christmas related, but I don't know. I don't know how Lee does that. I did the one last December and it was assuming that was last December. I don't know. Time is a blur, but, but I did a Christmas related one for that and it played really well and it was super fun. And so, but at the same time, you know, I also like the playing off of expectations, you know? playing like some uh, like a thanksgiving movie or yeah, like yeah, i don't know yeah. i'm trying to think of something else but you never know it's gonna be a good time i'm hoping to make it out i haven't been to the last couple uh well, hilariously i guess that the last one he kind of unofficially announced the premiere date for drag dragon oh yeah but then didn't say to did not say anything so a few people <laughs> went online and were like oh it's opening and then i i was like josh you didn't tell me and he's like he said not to tell anyone and he specifically told ian and i
1: hold out. I got this battle plan. Oh God. I'm going to announce it whatever day morning. And then you guys could do the press release. And then it's like, boop, boop on social media. And I was
0: genuinely like,
1: how did that even happen?
0: <laughs> he gets excited. Like, I totally get it. I would probably be the same way. Like, I just feel like maybe he was going to mention it, but not specific dates or he just, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then it's leave. He just gets excited and blurts out stuff. I
1: think he forgets that when he is introducing a movie And if we might have something we can't announce yet because we don't have it officially booked or it's going to be a surprise. Or when he comes on the podcast, I think he totally forgets we're sitting here with microphones (laughs) and that's going out to millions of people.
0: Yeah. Tens of people. Yeah, yeah. At least 13 people. (laughs) 13, 15 people. And
1: he'll say something and then I'm like, do you want me to cut that
0: <laughs> <laughs> or like super swears occasionally oh like my God. that's the funny thing like this is mainly kind of a family podcast not deliberately but just kind of PG yeah, yeah yeah. like I love swearing but like yeah. I, I don't know my mom could listen I don't know yeah. I'm just trying to be I want people to be able to enjoy this without thinking I'm gonna drop a super swear which yeah. which I'd love to but I won't you know but then when Lee's on I don't think he's ever not sworn he's sworn oh God. less no but I don't think he's ever not sworn at all. So it's like, he just it's a bonus, right? And he's the funniest mix of he would take such shame if he thought he offended
1: somebody. <laughs> yeah. And he's the most offensive person. <laughs> <he does.
0: laughs> yeah, and, and also he, he really dwells on stuff. Yeah, like if he thinks he upset someone or did something bad or whatever like that, like he really takes it to heart. I walked away from a conversation and came back. It was after going to see Grand Hotel.
1: Okay. And Lee and Gwen were standing there talking about how the famous Menomina song oh, yeah. from The Muppets came from a porno film.
0: Oh, you know what? I feel like I heard that from someone. Why and I, I walked away and I was
1: like, I leave for two seconds. How uh, do I know that? Oh,
0: God. Yeah, so that's an example. But yeah,
1: so Saturday Cinema, you said what's before it. What's before it will be the Canadian classic Black Christmas, Oh. part of our holiday season horrors. Oh, wow. From Bob Clark, the 1970s classic, just an influence on everything that came after it. If you like movies like Scream, yeah. they all come from the kind of final girl, every person, simple story with a big twist in it
0: yeah this is a classic i mean for me like i saw on twitter the other day someone was like oh hot take but you know i think black christmas is better than halloween and i thought about it and i was like yeah i like black (laughs) Christmas. i like black Christmas more than halloween and it's not just like halloween's a classic it's amazing obviously but there's just something i think partially it's because it was shot in toronto which is kind of cool there's just there's a real power to it a little bit like the original texas chainsaw where there's this sort of raw I don't know, terror that it taps into at times. And the young actors are so good. Well, Andrew Martin, who is a legend. Oh, yeah, so good.
1: And Margot Kidder, who... What was this God, Like four or five years before Superman? Yeah, about that. So still, like, before she had her big break. Yeah, and Olivia Hussey, obviously.
0: She's so good
1: in it. Yeah. It's one of those funny things. It's almost akin to, really, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Where it's hard to talk about without blowing the ending. (laughs) Where... There's always going to be people who haven't seen this movie. And one of the coolest parts is the twist. But I just will leave it at that. Because I think, wow, well, maybe there's some folks going to see it who do not know the twist.
0: Yeah, and there's also some comedy as well, which you don't often get in these kind of things. Like, it's really hard to sort of juggle that tonality. But... And it's
1: really that era. Like, if you look, I mean, a few decades before, but the way people acted in, say, a Hitchcock movie or a drive-in B-movie had either a campiness to it or a theatricalness to it, Mm -hmm. if that's a word. And in the 70s, they really started getting that humanity where Margot Kidder, Andrew Martin, Olivia Hussey felt like real young women. For sure. They didn't have that kind of makeup or costume design or that flair of a classic actress. And so that really made it feel more scary, I think. And that's Mm -hmm. why... Your Texas Chainsaws and your Halloweens really hit, I think, because
0: you're like, wow, that's someone I know on screen versus a star. For sure. And having someone like John Saxon in there is always like a a treat, you know?
1: (laughs) And so then we have the Rocky Horror Picture Show. On Friday night, December 16th, holiday edition, which I think just means maybe a couple of the cast members are wearing Santa hats. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is that <laughs> the
0: difference? They just have a Santa hat? Like, it's Anything very clever.
1: Anything over the holidays is the holiday edition.
0: It's true. And while well, you can just put little hats on all the posters of stuff, too, if you want, you're like, oh, it's the holiday edition of whatever you said earlier is playing. Life and life.
1: Yeah, Christmas happens in Ireland, so That's it's true. the Banshees holiday edition.
0: <laughs> the Santa Banshees. I would watch that.
1: Yeah. And then finally, what has really become a tradition is sadly because we lost our tradition of Die Hard, but we fall back on a true classic of It's a Wonderful Life, which is always packed. Get your advance tickets. It'll be busy. Mm -hmm. And although it is also something I point to when I defend your Die Hards and your Gremlins (laughs) because people say, oh, that's not a real Christmas movie. And I'm like, well, It's a Wonderful Life is the Christmas movie,
0: and it's really... I don't know, what, 25% Christmas? If that. I mean, it's kind of like two parts in the movie are Christmas, and that's about it. Yeah, bookended by Christmas?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the Christmas parts are great. No qualms with it, because I get emotionally overwhelmed every time that climax happens. Mm -hmm. But you really point at it, and you're like, yeah, it's not like
0: there's snow and carols through the whole movie. No, no. But speaking of Christmas, man, was uh, Saturday morning cartoons packed. Oh, so good. Just to point that out, that was a huge success as always. And, you know, but it just inevitably people get turned away at this point. You know, like it's just we're become. (laughs) I feel bad. Yeah, we're too successful in at least that one thing, you know. And even my friends had to, they went off and ate breakfast and they came back an hour later just to be able to get in. And that works if you don't mind missing some of it. Because what happens is sometimes a family of four
1: or five with little kids We'll have watched two or three cartoons and go, oh, the kids had their cereal. They watched two or three cartoons. They have no concept of time. Let's get out of (laughs) here. Yeah. And so then I can let three or four or five more people back in. But thanks so much to our patrons because no complaints, no anger. I felt so bad because some people are still naive that we sell advanced tickets, even though we've been doing it for two and a half years. Yeah. So we had somebody walk up and go, "Oh, you're sold out." And I was like, "Yeah, we only had 12 tickets left this morning." But it was great. Everybody was cool. We actually had, you know, social media is the worst, but we had nice stuff on social media, nice direct messages, nice emails. It's very feel good and people saying really nice stuff like, "This is why the Mayfair is so important to the community. Is it allows for stuff like this." Mhm. Ah, it's so nice. So it'll be back. I'm not sure quite when. We are still sitting on one (laughs) that did not get screened way back in March 2020, but we'll see how quickly that our curator has them going because we were on a routine of March break, summer back to school holidays. Yeah. And that works really well. Somebody was like, you should do this every weekend. And I was like, oh my God. God. I was like, well, theoretically that would be good for our business, but I don't think the numbers would hold up. Yeah. It's special by doing it four or five times a year. If we did it every Saturday, I think those numbers would go down. Just the content. Yeah. All that stuff. So yeah, so it'll be back in a couple months.
0: Yeah, at best once a month could survive. But even then, yeah, you gotta cut those all together and get them out there and like get all the cereal. Like, and just... we can
1: point at it that it doesn't work because if I take Saturday Morning Cartoons as my greatest accomplishment at the Mayfair of bringing in some money, my greatest flop <laughs> was I tried to do a kid version of cinema. And I kind of forget what I called it, but it was the Mayfair Kids Club or something like that. But you were still showing
0: cinema stuff like Caligula. Yeah, exactly You're like, thing, yeah. Why isn't this working? <laughs> the kids don't love
1: the gore. And so we would screen stuff like Pee Wee Herman and... God,
0: what did we uh, screen? Yeah, there like, um, it, like, didn't you do the Transformers, Transformers. movie? Like Transformers. Not the, you know, but the yeah, animated yeah. movie. The good one. Yeah. Uh, I think Lab Oh, Last Starfighter? Last
1: Starfighter. Like, cool retro stuff that would appeal to the middle-aged nerd, but also was PG and kid-friendly. And it tanked. <laughs> like, there was days where I remember we were screening The Land Before Time. And we were ready to go. We were all excited. And I was just like sitting in the box office with our candy person because we were so dead that nobody was buying candy. And someone walked by and we would go, come on. And nobody. And we had five people and we tried to do it for about a year. And bless Lee's little heart. He went, we can still keep trying, but I felt so bad. I was like, nah, (laughs) let's cut it. And then of course the next week somebody comes in and goes, you guys should do more kids programming. And I was like, did you hear about this? And they did not hear about it. And I was like, Oh, come on. So anyhow, for whatever reason, it's hard for us to do kids stuff. And I think maybe it's because the kids go see everything right away at the multiplex. Maybe
0: to sound like an old man, kids don't like old stuff. Well, yeah, or, I mean, the thing about the cartoons that's nice is they're about 20 minutes, you know, and then so yeah. it's like maybe if you don't like this one, then there's going to be something else after or like there's just maybe the smaller version of it. Because if you're in Land Before Time, I mean, it's not a long movie, but like, I don't know if you're not feeling that wavelength, you won't, you know, like it's yeah. not like it'll change up. And it's weird because when I was a kid, Disney was still re-releasing
1: stuff. So I saw Fox and the Hound yeah, for sure. and Robin Hood and Pinocchio on the big screen. Whereas now, I don't know, I think grown-ups as well just really want new. And you can see that from our numbers, where something like We're No Angels or Grand Hotel gets 20 or 30 people, but then Banshees gets 125 people. Mm -hmm. So people really do like new. So maybe that's the problem, that we can't get new kids' films quick enough yeah so i don't know but cartoons hangs in there so i like at least having that option and also at the same time it's not 95 percent kids it's like 20 percent kids yeah and mostly adults
0: and speaking of new kids didn't they have an animated show they did yeah so you know maybe <laughs> we'll get that on one of these days everybody had an animated tra- show at yeah one mc point. hammer that hammer time show Macaulay Culkin oh, had one pro stars. John Candy had one. Oh my god We could just be See you know Maybe it won't be hard To do these once a month We're yeah. just coming up <laughs> With these trash shows Right off the top of our heads
1: So that is our movies For the week of Friday December 16th Maybe we'll wrap things up now Eric and I are gonna
0: go Check out The Beyond The oh. Composer's Cut Yeah it's, it's always weird Watching something like Gross Early in the day Yeah <laughs> Especially you're trying To eat pizza And there's a spider On a guy's face so You're yeah. like ah, oh, Come on So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find more information
1: about us mainly at mayfairtheatre.ca. As always, if social media implodes in the next day or week, as it seems Twitter is creeping towards, we're still on there for the time being. And uh, we'll be back next week with still a couple more holiday season things. And by then, we might have announcements of the next couple weeks into
0: 2023, the future. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah, so the window guys came to oh, put yeah. it after they, they cut out the holes. Guys come in the next day, they go to put it on the windows, they break the one window. No. So then overnight, they make a new window, come in the next day, put it in, break the second window. <laughs> so now I have a second broken window and I'm waiting for the third replacement window until everything is done, done, and nobody's calling anymore. I'm just like, why is life so hard? Being a grown up is the worst. Oh, God. Black Christmas. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. A high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now, at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Hello? <laughs> what you, What are you doing? Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Ah! Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Jule, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight.